Hello and welcome to this PLU podcast. My name is Zach Powers. I work in PLU's Division of Marketing and Communications. Today I'm joined by Dr. Tamara Williams, the Executive Director of PLU's Wong Center for Global Education and Professor of Spanish, as well as Joel Zylstra, PLU's Director of Community Engagement and Service. How are you both? Great. Very well. So we were talking a little bit before we hit record about the two conversations that we want to have today. The first thing I want to talk about is this inherent tension between a university supporting both a robust study away program and also ambitious goals around sustainability. And before we get into ways to mitigate that tension, can you explain that to me? Well, the inherent tension, Zach, is that one of the areas of university activity that produces the largest carbon imprint is study away miles, along with commuter miles, actually, but study away definitely in a larger proportion. So we're, on the one hand, encouraging students at PLU to study away as part of a necessary component of an education in the 21st century. But at the same time, we're contributing to global warming. And if you multiply that by all the universities in the United States, you can see that the impact is pretty It's a big problem. Pretty, yeah. pretty problematic. Yeah. Would you agree, Joel? Yeah, it's just interesting to think about what's the goal of you know, any environmental justice, sustainability, is, is carbon neutrality uh, the only thing that we should be focusing on, or are there other aspects that we might be focusing on? And thinking about a student who has a global experience, who is in a different context, some of the takeaways that they might have in the long run could offset the carbon footprint that they're leaving in the short mm-hmm. run. So uh, you've got this longitudinal experience that might be start with a semester away, but could results in a lifestyle change for the rest of their life. It's interesting kind of thinking about what's the offset, the the semester away, the actual airline (laughs) miles, or the life potential, the the values of sustainability that a student could accumulate from uh, their time away. Tamara, how does PLU address and consider these issues? Well, if you wouldn't mind, uh, I'm going to provide a little bit of history here. (laughs) Um, Listeners should know that under Lauren Anderson's administration, PLU was a signatory to the American College and University President's Climate Commitment document. Basically, it includes a pledge to become carbon neutral by a target date that is established by a a university president. And in our case, we set a target date by 2020, which is now only three years away. It's called ACUPCC, has been signed by many universities in the United States, but it has not been signed by a few as well. When I started at the Wong Center, I was uh, first approached by our former employee of the university, Chrissy Cooley, who was our sustainability guru at the time, with grave concerns. They PLU had already made a significant effort to mitigate our carbon impact through retrofitting buildings, through building lead, um, beautiful new lead buildings that are carbon neutral by higher efficiencies, et cetera. But what we hadn't done really is address the impact of our miles. So Chrissy and another employee, I need to give them credit because they really have been instrumental in putting this forward. Tanya Alsted in my office started working together trying to figure out how we could do something uh, to contribute to carbon mitigation on our campus. Chrissy and Tanya came to me and we were basically contemplating two options. One is to buy carbon offsets from the voluntary carbon market, which basically it's a large industry. You buy carbon offsets. And the idea is that that money goes to sustainability projects, Mm -hmm. uh, higher efficiency projects in areas of the world that are not using as much carbon. Which is probably what a lot of 
perhaps more wealthy universities. Wealthy universities, done. large industries, this is how they, uh, it's a guilt tax, basically. Yeah. And that was one of the concerns that I had. And the other option was that we partner with an organization called Earth Deeds that's run by Daniel um, Greenberg, who proposes a different approach, which is basically carbon onsetting. So what made that model of using carbon credits not a fit for PLU in particular? One of the problems with the buying carbon offsets is that the administration is very expensive for that. So really only 30% of the funds that you pay to buy the offsets actually gets to the communities that need it. Hmm. There's some concerns about the efficiencies in the location. But I think my main concerns is it had a quality of a guilt tax. And also, there was no pedagogical piece to it at all. That is, there was no opportunity in the purchase to really teach students um, or make students aware that their study away did have a carbon impact and ways in which we could do something about that. So Earth Deeds offered us the opportunity of working around onset. And the fundamental difference with Earth Deeds is they pay attention to the social impact of carbon rather than simply the economic impact of carbon. They also offer us through their website, which I invite people to visit, to um, have each student um, log their miles, look at the impact of those miles, know what the carbon um, impact of it was, and then also consider the option of charging students a fee as part of their study away tuition that would go to Earth Deeds to then be used in projects that PLU identifies directly in our study away locations, including Tacoma. Was that something that was relatively easy to get the PLU leadership team and faculty and staff around this sort of carbon offset model? Or was there some thought initially that carbon credit system was kind of the the easier or more practical way to go? What was that process like of discussing these options at the time? I think it was relatively easy. Um, I think there was at the time a commitment to sustainability at PLU. We had a provost uh, and a VP at the time that were committed to these projects. So it was a matter simply of working it into the study away tuition budget for each student and agreeing getting the university to agree that $75 per student would actually go into this onsetting fee rather than being returned to the university. And we've had no concerns about that since it was implemented. Every student who studies away in our gateway programs is required now to go through a educational piece around their carbon impact. And we have a call for proposals from our gateway locations every year to actually directly through Earth Deeds fund projects that have to do with sustainability. Does that come as a surprise to students who are gearing up to to study away and they're thinking about the cross-cultural elements of studying away? They're thinking about potentially language barriers. They're thinking about currency and all these things that one might think about preparing to study away. Are they surprised when it comes time to talk about these environmental impacts? You ask a really great question. It's, it's a requirement that the students that go away for the semester fill this out. And I know that some students are surprised that we ask them to do it. Some are grateful that we do it. Some find it very enlightening. I have to say probably another handful generally feel that it's one more process that they have to go through. But generally speaking, I think it, it does what we intended it to do, which is to raise consciousness with our students about one the impact of, of their travel, but also on setting carbon in other contexts. Is it fair to say that 
at some point there were students that were in some ways asking for this or leading for a charge or they were helping bring consciousness to the mm -hmm. staff and faculty at the university as well? I would agree entirely with Joel. There was a time where there was a group of students that really challenged PLU's study away commitment, the size of it. And when was this around? Um, this was about Rough, roughly five, six years ago and who were actually encouraging us in some ways to think more about having students study locally, okay. right, rather than con this continuous growth of, of study abroad in other mm -hmm. locations. I will say just a reflection on the difference between onset and offset. I think it parallels the conversation around how do you integrate diversity, justice, and sustainability. I think there's a default for people to separate social justice and environmental justice, but this connects the two in a way that says we can't just be thinking about carbon in communities. We have to be thinking about people in communities exactly. as well. And so this is a great model, a great kind of microcosm, I think, of what we're trying to do in other parts of the university as well. The challenge, though, Joel's absolutely right about what we were attempting to do, other than the pedagogical piece, is that we want our students to be thinking about people, is that it's very hard to measure hmm. the the impact of onsetting. Yeah. Although the calculations for offsetting are theoretically precise, I, I have my doubts about that, and, and certainly there are critiques out there that they are not. But it is, it's very difficult to um, measure the impact of the funding for an organic farm outside of Chengdu, China, for example, which is one of the projects that we funded, or the development of a rain barrel program for urban poor neighborhoods in Oaxaca. Hmm. Very difficult to measure what the actual onsetting benefits are, but we choose to err on, on that side rather yeah. than... So these programs that the Wong Center runs to achieve these goals, so they take a certain amount of funds or fees out of the study away cost and then puts them into these projects. I have a couple in front of me. Examples are school garden in, in Namibia, composting and rainwater projects in China, which I think you just mentioned. Do students also visit or contribute to these projects, or is it strictly just the money is collected and distributed to environmental practitioners in these countries? The actual funding of Earth Deeds grants didn't actually begin until maybe two and a half years ago. It took a while to ramp this program up for our students studying away. I will say that the goal is to then partner with these organizations on site and have our students to be directly involved with them. And I direct the Oaxaca program, and I can say for sure that in that location, the organization that has received some funding from the Earth Deeds Project is an organization where some of our students have done internships while they're there, for example. But we don't want to exclude necessarily other organizations because I, I think it would be incorrect to do you that. And, a, you don't want to make a condition of, a of, condition, of, of the There could be a conflict of, of interest. Yeah. There could hmm. be sort of a quid pro quo understanding. So the idea really is to make it available to as many nonprofit organizations in the locations where PLU has programs. Um, I think that's an important thing to stress, 
so that students can indeed see the value of this really relatively minor contribution. And I would say that now that we have the TIES program, which Joel is running this semester, that there's one of the Earth Deeds benefits as well is the potential of using these funds for local sustainability projects. So we actually began, the first funding was for the Wong Center to do some retrofitting that would actually save energy costs. But TIES and some of our neighborhoods in Tacoma are absolutely mm -hmm. invited to participate in this as well. Yeah, it just seems like a great model of at the end of the day, the gateway programs are a long-term relationship between PLU and a particular community. And I think that in many ways, they're investing in our students' education. They're teaching us as an institution of, about their culture, about their perspective. Our students are involved with them in different levels. So it, it just seems like an interesting, it's, it's part of the reciprocal relationship between how PLU invests in communities and also noting that these communities have deeply invested in, in our students and, and the institution as a whole. I haven't really thought about the conflict of interest piece of it. Um, I know I can speak from the from a Tacoma perspective that there are organizations who are putting a lot of time and energy and effort toward this program so that it will be successful for our students. So this is just one way I think that we can thank them and support them and uh, in their work for that. So, Do either of you have any closing thoughts on this topic? I want to come back and, and talk about our second subject of today, which is going to be how, where do we put our energy around community service with global opportunities versus local opportunities. I'm excited to get to that conversation, but I want to invite either of you to share any closing thoughts about this question of global studies and, and study away and, and PLU's programs to connect the two. Do You know, there's no silver bullet. This is an ongoing challenge. It's going to be particularly, I think, a challenge in the next four years. I feel really, in a way, grateful and honored to be at an institution that is supporting a project like this. I think that we are one of the few uh, universities, definitely our size, that have chosen this particular route. And it's been a great, great uh, opportunity for me to learn about this issue and for our students too. So I think it's, it's, the, it's the right thing to be doing. I'm not sure it's going to solve the problem, but it's it's the right thing to be doing, I think. I should note that the local program does not have any airline miles associated with there it. There you go. We we take public transit. You can go right to Bus sleep. Bus passes you can are go built right to into sleep the at fees, night. so yeah. And we I, have no guilt tax to worry I, about. And I should know that maybe this is our onsetting project for the Wong Center is to have supported the creation of <laughs> the local Tacoma program. I think we're really, really excited to see this program launch this semester. We'll be right back with more with Joel and tomorrow. On Open to Interpretation, host and PLU communication professor Amy Young is joined by PLU faculty members to discuss a single word commonly used in the news, on social media, and on college campuses. Past episodes include discussion of words like advocacy, climate, protest, and gender. Listen to episodes of Open to Interpretation and other PLU podcasts by subscribing to PLU Audio on iTunes or by visiting plu.edu audio. Welcome back to this PLU podcast. Today we're talking again with Joel Zylstra, who is the Director of Community Engagement and Service, and Tamara Williams, the Executive Director of PLU's Wong Center for Global Education. And for the next few minutes, I just wanted to have a free-flowing discussion around service and where to put our energy. 
There's so many different places that students or staff or faculty or anyone can get involved. There's local opportunities and regional opportunities and things all over the globe. And our students are kind of encouraged to think that way and to think globally and to think locally at the same time and hold those two things up and be aware of the relationships between micro communities and, and larger spaces. But when it comes to actually trying to contribute to things and lend our bodies and our hands and our minds and our gifts, I'm wondering about how students choose where to do that and how to get students involved. You know, we were talking before we recorded that some of our students are coming from a high school culture where they've been on global service trips to build houses or contribute in one way or another before they've been to their local homeless shelter or contributed locally, which is really interesting to me. So I was wondering your thoughts mm -hmm. about these things and how they relate. And let's start with Joel. Yeah, I have, I have lots of thoughts on this. And maybe, uh, so the name of our center is the Center for Community Engagement and Service. So I'm, I'm going to set the service piece aside a little bit and just reflect on community engagement. Uh, and one of the ways that I think one of the things that it allows us to do is to think about community as a context for learning. Uh, so if we set aside service for a minute and just focus on transformative learning, I think that's what community engagement is about. It's a, it's a context for transformative learning. When I think about both the global and the local, um, there's kind of two variables in it for me. One is the level of dissonance that somebody feels in a different context. So when we have students that come from a particular background, they might have a particular view of uh, what a community might look like in Guatemala or Mexico when they come in and, and build a house for a week. Some students, that's a very different context. For some of our students, it's actually a very familiar context. Uh, so there's a, the level of, of separation there between what you're used to and, and what you're experiencing. So dissonance is part of it, and I think you can experience that dissonance in your own backyard, locally. You can also experience that in other parts of the world. I think things that lead to it are, you know, uh, language can certainly be part of that. Uh, when, you, when your language, your primary language doesn't align with a particular community, it might be how uh, people relate. It's things like smells, it's things like foods, it's things, cultural values. So, yeah, I think so. One of the dimensions that I see that's worth paying attention to, to is the level of dissonance. And then the other is time. So, how long are you immersed in something? And I think that's uh, something that, you know, the difference between a, a short term program versus a J term program or a semester program, when you're in this different setting, um, experiencing uh, something different for a longer period of time, it has the ability to transform you in the long run. Uh, I can speak from my own perspective. It did take me uh, leaving my own context. I was able to spend about a year in Nairobi, Kenya, and experienced a lot of dissonance that particular year. But what it did was it shaped me in the long run. I can't shed myself from that experience. It influences how I look at my own community. It influences... Um, how I read the news around the world, it influences how I vote, it influences uh, how I learn, influences how I relate with people. So those are kind of the two things that I, I see, the level of dissonance uh, between what you're used to and what you're experiencing, and then the duration for in which you're immersed in that particular setting. There's a couple things I want to come back to, but tomorrow I wanted to, before we do that, what do you... 
Well, I'll, I'll just take another tack, but it, and it's somewhat uh, related, I think. And thanks for sharing your story, because I never heard Joel tell his story, so <laughs> in that way. To answer your question, there are two things we need to acknowledge, and that is that as an educational institution, we receive students wherever they happen to be on the spectrum of global, local sort of educational knowledge or consciousness. I'm always delighted to receive students that have had some global experience prior to coming to PLU and that have curiosity and passion around that. But then what I think it's incumbent on the institution to do to a certain extent is to be clear about our commitments and values. And I think there's no question now that that local-global dichotomy is something that we need to question. And I would rather really push our institution to think about them not as two separate things. So there's the us's that stay in the community and they're the, the they's that go abroad. It, rather, really, we're on a globe where we needed to start thinking about these two things um, interchangeably. And I would just, so that would be a first thing. And how that plays out with individual stories, and Joel just told us his, is that we also need to work with the student where their passions and gifts are. If they have a passion about Latin America or the Spanish language or the Chinese language, then we need to encourage them to build those. But generally speaking, those students will return to the campus and it will have transformed their perspective in ways that Joel described his own uh, experience in Nairobi and do amazing things in our own local community. So I'll give you a few examples. Sai Rafai uh, is now an employee of the university. She spent a semester in Oaxaca, then returned with a Wong Center research grant, had great Spanish skills, and has now come back to the Tacoma community and is really making a big difference in the area that she's very passionate about, which is public art. Mm -hmm. So anybody coming to Parkland now, and Joel was very instrumental in this. She sort of captured Sai when she returned and really encouraged her leadership um, abilities in the local community. We now have a beautiful Parkland sign on the back of our um, post office. So that would be one example. Another example I was just thinking about yesterday, um, very soon PLU will be launching the Peace Corps Prep Certificate Program. Joel and I have partnered on that as well. One of the students who's returning for that for the launch on March 1st is um, Annie Lynn, formerly Annie Hoblet, who did French-Spanish Global Studies triple major wow. at PLU and studied in Oaxaca as well, and left the university to eventually join the Peace Corps in Senegal, and is now working in John Hopkins in the public health arena and just published a paper on cervical cancer in the Senegalese population among women. So here we have a student who's traveled all over the world, is working at John Hopkins, who's paying attention to cervical cancer in ways that actually will inform conversations about racialization of medicine here in the United States. These stories are countless among our PLU alums, and the levels and intersections and um, ways in which this global, local dialectic plays out is just stunning to me. It's one of the reasons I love working here and doing what I do. How you started talking about wanting to relieve tensions between those two things totally <laughs> messed up my whole line of questioning that I had <laughs> planned. And so wanted to acknowledge that I think you're right. I still wanted to pose a follow-up to Joel about a lot of the work that your center does is engaging students in opportunities to connect with the community and serve a lot of that is local. I wonder 
What's your experience trying to plug students into opportunities in a Tacoma-Pierce County area, who, students who haven't done that sort of service before, versus the process maybe for trying to get students to serve for the first time internationally? Because what you both have alluded to, there's an excitement and an energy and a flair to traveling abroad or studying away that maybe can put the actual work in a different context. I mean, it's, it feels like to me much different to be helping build a house in Central America than to be building a house in East Tacoma. And so I'm wondering if you ever find it frustrating or, or mm-hmm. if there's some thought connecting to do around maybe the excitement that can be around doing the sort of work somewhere else versus here mm-hmm. where there, there isn't a new language or a new culture and there isn't these food and the smells and the sights, that all these things that are new. Because the service of doing these things isn't always fun and exciting. I mean, it can be laborious. It can be <laughs> yeah. boring. It, it's not, we don't serve and we don't do things like that for our own gratification or excitement. And so if you strip away some of those exciting things that come with studying away, sometimes you have just a pretty laborious, mundane weekend or, or mm-hmm. afternoon. How does that exist in the work that you do with 18 to 23-year-olds? Yeah, I would say geographic dimension is part of it. I think there is an appeal and there's something interesting and I think they perceive it to be something more exotic and exciting to be elsewhere. But I think actually there's, we see that here locally as well. There's, um, you know, there's, (laughs) there's sexy service work to be a part of. There's the stuff that you get to You get to be involved. You get to see the impact. You get to be in relationship with kids. You get to really kind of see the fruits of your labor. But it's really important to understand that for all of that to happen, there's a layer that's happening behind the scenes that sometimes you got to file papers. Sometimes you've got to go ask for money. Sometimes you got to do the dirty work. And so uh, I think you could experience that in Oaxaca. I think you could experience that in Parkland. Um, so geography is is part of it, but there's also just kind of an idea of what constitutes fun <laughs> service. Um, and service isn't always fun. And that's where I think the community engagement piece is important because if you're talking about engagement, you're talking about long-term investment, you're talking about relationship, you're talking about walking with the community through the good times, the hard times, uh, the frustrating times, I will say on the, the geographical piece, it, just in terms of thinking about the long-term trajectory of service, when you're in a community that's far away and you can come in and leave, you don't have to inherit uh, the long-term outcomes, uh, both mm-hmm. good or bad. Yeah. So when I reflect on my time in Nairobi, I could invest deeply into this community for a year and I and I leave and I don't have to pay the consequences of what did or did not happen as a result of my investment in that community. When I think about my investment in the Tacoma community, this is the community I'm a part of. I'm not leaving anytime soon. Uh, so I constantly see what I did or what I didn't do, and I'm reminded of that on a regular basis. So there is something about uh, your ability to kind of come in and leave and um, – both, both from a negative perspective, but a, a positive perspective as well. So. And just to pick up on that idea, um, I'm thinking of service, sexy service, boring service. Um, the, the truth is our students in, say, the Oaxaca program, which is the program I run, do internships, overwhelmingly do internships. And they aren't glorified experiences. In fact, most of them would tell you that they were 
quite bored and um, not particularly excited <laughs> about their work most of the time. But to go to Joel's point, and yes, they, they will leave Oaxaca, and yes, they won't see necessarily the fruits of their labor or the consequences of their uh, involvement in an, any negative way. But what does happen, and this comes back to Joel's initial story about his own experience in Nairobi, is that they'll co they come back to PLU and start seeing the Mexican community in our own Parkland neighborhood, for example, and assessing the needs that the Parkland neighborhood has. And feeling, in, feeling connected to it. In ways they would have never necessarily done prior to their journey to Mexico. And so, for example, we had um, a group of students that I think it's continuing started an English language mm -hmm. institute, all voluntary for Parkland area and, and the larger Tacoma community to come and take English lessons at PLU, for example. That's awesome. So, again, you know, it's, it's the long-term benefit mm -hmm. of, of these experiences that ultimately, I think, give meaning to the work that Joel and I do. And apparently opposite ways, but in fact, um, there's a lot of uh, leveraging and complementarity, I think, in, in the work that both of our centers do. I hadn't thought about that, and both of you now have painted pictures of getting involved in service while studying away. In, in a lot of cases, it sounds like engages students in community service, and then when they come back, that seed has been planted, and, and it's easier to, to keep going and to do that work. I hadn't thought about that as a, a trend, which makes a lot of sense and is exciting. I might have framed my, my opening question a little bit less cynically, because that is an interesting way to think about it. Well, and I, I can think of two examples that really hit home with that. One is uh, just now, the past few years, uh, Tamara and her team have invited us to be part of the returner event where students are coming back from studying away. Historically, it's been uh, most of the students are coming back from studying abroad, but uh, the thought is that we can introduce some of the work that we do and give students an outlet uh, to continue to to manifest some of the things that was exciting them and uh, piquing their curiosity while they were away. So that uh, and we do see a lot of overlap with students that come back. I need to figure out a place to continue to work out this dissonance or the skill or perspective that I was developing or work on my language or um, there's just a number of ways that it gets manifested. And really, that's the origin of this new program. Uh, the Tacoma Immersion Experience Semester was built off of a model that was going on 10, 12 years ago now, as students were returning from Trinidad and Tobago, <laughs> they came back to the campus and had a really hard time adapting back to the life on campus. And they asked for and wanted and created an experience uh, in the Salishan community on the east side of Tacoma where students lived together. Uh, they took classes together and were very involved in the Salishan neighborhood. Um, but it, again, it was a great example of how do you take this global experience and make sense of it in a, in a local context? Well, we're going to close on that. We're, we're out of time here today. But thank you so much to Tamara Williams and Joel Zylstra for, for joining us today. This has been really interesting. Thank you. Thank you very much, Seth.